0: Det här är ett poddrad från Radio AF. Flu! Someone will remember as I say, even in another time. to someone who will remember, as I say, even in another time. I'm Edmund Falby, and in this podcast I talk about LGBTQ history, the tragedies and the victories, the sad fates of our predecessors, and the inspiring stories of our icons and heroes. This is the very first episode, and we're going to dive right into Victorian England and Oscar Wilde in just a moment. But first, I'd like to tell you a little bit about this podcast First off, my name is Edmund Falby, I am trans, I have the pronouns he, if you want to talk about me, of course you want to talk about me, use the pronouns he. Um, I study psychology at Lund University in Sweden, I'm Swedish, but I've decided to do this podcast in English because, I mean, it's this is somewhat niche subject and I would love to get a ton of listeners Uh, Because I have a bit of uh, an egomania going on and I'm nursing it, I'm giving in to it, because just as the perfect and poisonous man we're going to talk about today, I want to become famous. And if not famous, then notorious. Um, Jokes aside, I figure this is too important a subject to not make it as accessible for as many people as possible. We will still be, quite naturally, touching uh, on a lot of Swedish LGBTQ history, so if you tune in for that, then yes, yes, you have come to the right place. I have already planned to talk about subjects like Kindboy, Christina first, and Swedish digital history, but I will try my best to talk a fair bit about LGBTQ history in other parts of the world as well. In the coming weeks and months, we will, for instance, get to know more about Sappho, the AIDS crisis, and how culture and time influence the perception of gender. Please let me know on Facebook at Someone Will Remember Us or at Instagram at Someone Will Remember Us what you feel about this or anything else about the podcast. I'm super open to requests and corrections and questions. The name of the podcast, Someone Who Remembers, I Say Even Another Time, it's quite a mouthful. Uh, It's, in fact, a fragment from a work by Sappho. I've used Anne Carson's translation of Sappho. There are several different translations of this particular fragment, but I absolutely adore Anne Carson. So I went with her translation. I'll I'll talk more about her when I do the episode on Sappho. In short, I chose this fragment, someone will remember us, I say, even in another time, because it so neatly sums up what feels like not only the purpose of this podcast, but of my whole life. The fact that Sappho, a woman who loved other women, is remembered to this day and remembered for being an LGBTQ person is amazing, and it is so important for us to keep this in mind. Sometimes lives get rough, and knowing that, in spite of all the silencing of LGBTQ voices, they cannot be silent knowing that we are still remembered is such a powerful thing and we need to keep lifting up our voices and the voices of others so that we are not silent that is what this podcast is about celebrating mourning being aware that we are not a fashion statement we are not trend we are part of a much greater history we've always been here and we will always be there so As you can hear, I'm a little idealistic uh, and I take myself way too seriously, but let's get to the topic of this first baby episode, my big, big, big idol, Oscar Wilde. Uh, This will be an introduction to his life and works, and I will give you some great sources if you want to learn more about him in the end of this podcast. So the problem when talking about Oscar Wilde is that it is very difficult to know what is true and what is just legend. People loved making up shit about Oscar Wilde, even long after he was dead. Partly because of homophobia, of course, and partly because Oscar Wilde was a quite incredible person. And no religion about what he has said or done really sounds more outlandish than what he did say and do. In addition, Oscar Wilde encouraged the myths around him, purposefully going along with misconceptions or straight up lying. In fact, he lied about his own age during his later trials, not even deeming the court a fit place to tell the truth. As he himself did say, the truth is never pure and rarely simple. What we do know is that Oscar Fingal O'Flaherty Wills Wilde was born in 1845 on the 6th of October into an uh, aristocratic Anglo-Irish family living in Dublin. His mum was such an amazing, eccentric person. Her name was Lady Jane Francesca Wilde, but her pen name was Speranza, and under that name she wrote about Irish patriotism and women's rights. Already from early on, she meant a lot to Oscar Wilde and he, he stayed close to her for the rest of his life. And she did influence him a lot. Oscar Wilde's dad was Sir William Robert Wills Wilde and he was uh, appointed surgeon oculist in Ordinary to Her Britannic Majesty Queen Victoria. So basically, he he was the royal optician. Uh, I don't know if Queen Victoria did have any, any problems with her eyesight. Uh, please tell me if, if you know. Um, Oscar Wilde was a second child of three He had an older brother named William And a much younger sister named Isola She died young And uh, later Oscar Wilde wrote a poem about this loss Called Requiem It is one of the few completely serious and somber of his works And and quite beautiful William Wilde, the older, had two illegitimate daughters uh, Mary and Emily Who tragically died during a ball one big issue at parties at this time in history was the combination of lighting a whole lot of candles on fireplaces and the women wearing lavish outfits that also worked somewhat like a tiny prison cell, uh, being quite difficult to get out of on your own. So what happened was that one of us's white sisters, I, I cannot find any reference to which, came too close to a fireplace and her skirts caught on fire and when the other sister rushed to help her put it out, she also caught on fire and they both died. It is not known how well, if at all, Oscar Wilde knew his half-sisters, but he did go on to advocate for what was called rational dress, um, and basically me- meant that women would not have to wear corsets nor unpractical heavy dresses. And some biographies I have read connect this with the, the death of his sisters due to their dresses. Oscar Wilde grew up to be a quite big boy with a large moon-like face and four hands with a heart of gold and tongue of silver. He did stick out first at school and then when he went to Trinity College in Dublin to study classics, uh, that is Latin and Greek. Much like in his later life, people either adored him or disliked him immensely, but he could defend himself quite well. It might be a myth, again, you can never really know with Oscar Wilde, but he might have bodily lifted up two bullies and thrown them down the stairs during his time at Trinity College. Regardless if uh, this is true or not, he was very, very strong and a tall man for his age. He was uh, 6.3 feet or uh, 1.91 meters while the average height for that time was probably 5.5 feet uh, that is 1.67 meters uh, that's also how tall I am. Oscar Wilde was very bitter over this fact. Uh, he would always be seeking for beauty in his art but he felt himself clumsy and ugly while at the same time being you know somewhat effeminate and delicate and you know just sticking out you know uh, wherever he went. He also had crooked yellow teeth, which he felt extremely self-conscious about, and he adopted the habit of always putting a hand in front of his mouth when he laughed. This was made all the worse, as this was something others commented on and made fun of him for, and later when he got famous, media often published absolutely horrid caricatures of him. After Trinity College, Oscar Wilde went to Oxford. He continued to study classics and it is possible that it was at this point that he realized that he was gay through learning about ancient Greek culture where same-sex love was much more accepted. In fact, one of the euphemisms for gay love at this point in time was Greek love. For instance, if you knew uh, certain bookshops sold books about same-sex relationships under the counter uh, and there were shops in uh, London that did this even if it was illegal. You could ask for a Greek book, and if they did indeed sell books about same-sex relationships, they would know what you meant by that. Anyway, it might have been at this point that Oscar Wilde learned about so-called Greek love and embraced it. There are claims that he did so much earlier in his life, possibly during his childhood, at school, uh, or a little later. Osgoe was not famous at this point, but a very striking figure around the university campus. And his mind was firmly set on becoming famous through whatever means possible. He is reported to have said, somehow or other, I'll be famous. And if not famous, I'll be notorious. And to become famous, he would write poems and try to get them published. He moved to London. He would develop a way of dressing that would provoke Victorian England and make sure people noticed him wherever he went. He would contact celebrities and be super, super charming, uh, writing them poems, flirting a little, and getting himself invited to parties where celebrities would go. And somehow he managed to get famous, uh, or rather notorious. He has been called the first modern celebrity because at this point, he was simply famous for being famous. He was everywhere. He never stopped talking. He dressed provocatively. And some loved him, like the actress Sarah Bernhardt, who was one of the most famous actresses of the day. And some absolutely detested him. Uh, There was even a play put up in London that satirized Oscar Wilde. And when this play became a hit, the company wanted to put up the play in the US. The only problem was that Oscar Wilde was not famous in America. And therefore, the play would make very little sense. So how is this problem solved? Well, uh, this is like one of my favorite aspects of Oscar Wilde's life because he's just completely unbelievable. Uh, his life is completely unbelievable. The the company that had put up the play in the UK paid Oscar Wilde to go to the US to get famous. And Oscar Wilde was, said yes. Like This is so ridiculous. He was like, yeah, I uh, heard you've dragged my name in the dirt and now you want to employ me so you can drag my name in the dirt in the US as well. Well, that sounds like the best idea ever. I am on. So, basically, Oscar had set out on a lecturing tour across the US and the Canada in 1884. No, 1882, sorry. Uh, And then the theatre company would follow in his footsteps a few months later and push up the play in the cities he had toured. And uh, this tour was so hyped up. It was such a circus. Oscar Wilde sent fan letters and locks of his hair to tons of women. He was interviewed. He was giving guided tours of the cities he visited. He got to meet Walt Whitman. And, and according to his own words, kissed him. Uh, anyway, this was when Oscar Wilde actually got famous. Um... And he continued to write and publish a lot of his writings. Uh, I'll talk more about his works later. But anyway, he returned to London, wrote a lot, partied, slept with so many men. But this started to get a little dangerous. Everyone kind of knew Oscar Wilde wasn't straight. It was like, you know, a well-known fact that was just not really out there, you know. Um, So Oscar Wilde decided to get married to protect himself from some of the suspicions. On the 29th of May 1884 he married Constance Lloyd. They had two boys together, Cyril and Vivian. He started working as a journalist uh, in uh, 1884 as well. And even though he was, on uh, no accounts, uh, a very diligent worker, he was very, very enthusiastic and brilliant. One of the things he did do during his journalism career that I really want to mention uh, is that he was when, at one point the editor of, ma- of the magazine The Lady's Word. He, rena- he renamed this The Woman's World and kept the focus on fashion, but supplemented it with essays on politics, women's rights, for instance, the, the rational dress movement I mentioned earlier. And apparently, uh, according to one of my sources, the very first issue after Oscar Wilde became the editor, uh, there was a whole lot of cross-dressing and a photo of what I suppose is two women uh, embracing in a way that does not look straight. So, in Oscar Wilde's own love life, there are two men that stick out. The first of them is Robbie Ross, who Oscar Wilde met in 1886 when he was 32 and Robbie Ross was 17. I want to point out that I-, I could talk for hours on this age gap because, well, it is definitely icky. But on the other hand, it was Victorian England and straight men had relationships with much younger than 17. A lot of them being working class, certainly not all of the so-called relationships being completely consensual. I would probably even say that most weren't consensual. Uh, so relationships is really the wrong word. Uh, like, so like I, I think it's important that we recognize that Oscar Wilde did have relationships with very young men. But what I've found is that people turn a blind eye to what other Victorian writers that happen to be straighted, uh, but love vilifying Oscar Wilde and other contemporary gay men. Uh, And not just contemporary gay men, the idea of the predatory LGBTQ person is certainly still alive. Uh, I have myself met this idea in very painful and personal ways. So if we do discuss Oscar Wilde and his young boyfriends, we should keep in mind what discussions people have had before us and how they have influenced the more modern conceptions of homophobia and transphobia. Anyway... Robbie Ross would continue to be one of Oscar Wilde's closest friends throughout his life, even after they stopped being romantically involved. And I absolutely adore him. He was so loyal and kind and giving. He was originally Canadian, but became an important part of the literary landing while also being openly gay. Uh, I'll probably do an episode on him soon-ish uh, because I love him and he's so much more than just Oscar Wilde's lover and friend. The second notable partner of Oscar Wilde was Lord Alfred Douglas, called Bosey. He was the son of Lord Queensbury and his first wife, Sybil Montgomery. While I love Robbie Ross, I have difficulty liking Bosey Douglas. He was quite demanding and he later contributed to Oscar Wilde's landing in prison. After Oscar Wilde's death, he spoke very vehemently about him. Which, I, I mean, I mean, I can understand. Because being gay was still legal. And Bosie Douglas was famous for being the boyfriend of the emblem of same-sex love. So, it's quite natural that he felt he needed to distance himself from him to stay safe. Uh, however, he also turned out to be super conservative and anti-Semitic. Uh, he started a magazine about anti-Semitism. So, like, he wasn't a great guy. Uh, again, I could speak for ages about him because everyone is complex, I suppose. But but no, he he was not a great guy. So, Oscar Wilde and Bowsie Douglas met in 1891. In 1895, things turned really sour. Turns out, Lord Queensberry didn't approve of their relationship and behaved in a very threatening manner towards Oscar Wilde. He showed up at his house threatening him and planned on throwing rotten vegetables at him during the premiere of The Importance of Being Earnest, but it was not allowed in. He then sent a card to Oscar Wilde's club, saying in what has become a rather famous misspelling to Oscar Wilde, posting a somdomite uh, when he actually met sodomite. Uh, After this, Oscar Wilde prosecuted Lord Queensberry for libel. Now... This was both very, very brave uh, and a big mistake because the trial soon turned and Oscar Wilde found himself prosecuted for sodomy and gross indecency. I might do an episode on gross indecency uh, at a later point. Oscar Wilde was eventually cleared of the sodomy charge but sentenced to two years of hard labor for gross indecency in 1895. The time in prison was very difficult for Oscar Wilde and... um, it's probable that it was an injury he suffered while in prison that eventually killed him. He only lived three more years after his release and died disgraced and poor in Paris. He was given a very simple funeral, but Robert Ross later commissioned a beautiful sculpture with the engraving of an excerpt from Oscar Wilde's work, The Ballad of the Redding Gowl. And alien tears will fill for him, pity's long broken urn. For his mourners will be outcast men, and outcasts always mourn. Eventually, Robbie Ross was put to rest beside Oscar Wilde, where his place had been all his life, and now also in death. I didn't want to end with Oscar Wilde's time in prison and his death, because it makes me very, very upset, and I also feel like too much focus is part on LGBTQ experiences of misery, and too little on the accomplishments. So I've saved Oscar Wilde's literary works for now. Oscar Wilde wrote quite a lot of essays and short stories during his life. The most notable ones are probably The Canterville Ghost, which is a very light-hearted ghost story um, and the first thing I read by him. And they have a prince, which is, contrary to its title, a very sad piece with uh, not-so-subtle gay undertones. And the portrait of W.H., uh, which is, um, yeah, well, what is it? I, I don't know, I don't know. It's, it's an informative short story, but without much of a plot. And it's about same-sex love and Shakespeare. So, I mean, go read it. It might be one of the most gay things Oscar Wilde has written. He has written a lot of very gay stuff. Then there's his wonderful comedies, The Importance of Being Earnest, Lady Windermere's Fan, and Woman of No Importance. They were all highly popular during his life and are still very, very enjoyable. He has also written an absolutely wonderful play called Salome about the biblical character of the same name, uh, originally written in French and co-translated by Oscar Wilde and Bosie Douglas. Then, of course, it's his only novel, the, the Picture of Dorian Gray, about a young man who wishes that a beautiful portrait of him will grow old instead of him. This was the book that kept me company when I was realizing that I was trans and I felt I didn't dare turn into anyone else. So I, I have a quite personal relationship to that book. Finally, we have the two works he wrote while in prison, De Profundus, published after his death, which is a letter written to Bosie Douglas, and it it is absolutely heartbreaking, and I literally feel like crying just thinking about it, and The Ballad of the Reading Gowl, published during his lifetime under an alias which is... A uh, work of poetry about one of the other inmates who was sentenced to death. It is an outcry against the death penalty at the same time as being very clever and very complex, complex as everything Oscar Wilde wrote or did. If you want to learn more about Oscar Wilde, I do, of course, first and foremost recommend reading his works, especially The Picture of Dorian Gray and De Profundis. There are also his collected letters, and there are some great resources online if you want to read the original transcripts of the trials. Three of the best biographies written about him are Oscar Wilde by Jonathan Fryer, Oscar's books by Thomas Wright, and The Secret Life of Oscar Wilde by Neil McKenna. Thomas Wright is my favorite. Uh, it is so great. Uh, I also have a Tumblr blog dedicated to Oscar Wilde called The Palace of Saint um which you can visit or don't because uh, you don't you you don't have to. it's it's kind of embarrassing. In the next episode, we will meet Ethel Smythe. She was a composer, a writer, a suffragette, and for a time in love with Virginia Woolf. She's also the composer of the intro music to this podcast. Uh, it's a sonish uh, opus five movement to one. Which is performed by my lovely cousin, Malin Obai. Thank you, Malin. And thank you, Ethel Smythe. I'm so excited to learn more about her. Together with you, dear listener, I know very little about her. So I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, you can follow the podcast on facebook and instagram under the name someone will remember us is there anyone or anything you would like me to talk about or would you even want to record an episode together with me do you have any corrections or further questions please write me an email at someone will remember us at gmail.com or contact me on facebook or instagram thanks for listening and keep in mind that someone will remember us even in another time har lyssnat på ett poddradioprogram från Radio AF. Hitta alla våra program på radioaf.se.